artificial intelligence or AI for short is often considered to be technology of the future and can even be associated with both utopian and dystopian outcomes. But actually, AI is a technology for today and it can bring highly practical value to everyday processes. Digital workplace teams should be thinking about AI in the present. WorkRid, our podcast sponsor, is a company that's using AI to drive an intelligent platform that can be deployed today using chatbots and automation to improve the employee experience. WorkRid is also looking to the near future, for example, on how AI will improve search, a topic that we covered at a recent DWG Research and Technology Institute lab with WorkRid. I wasn't surprised to find out that uh, Gilly McGann, Workhead's head of AI, was once named by Amazon Web Services as a machine learning hero. And so check out the show notes for some additional information about WorkGrid's prowess in the AI space. But in the meantime, I hope you'll join me now for our next episode of Digital Workplace Impact. And when you've hired those smart people that are really close to the work, you got to enable them, you've got to support them, you've got to clear barriers, you've got to make sure you, you reserve the right to... Uh, or that you, 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 you stop yourself from dictating kind of the direction. At a high level, I think it's important to talk about like objectives and what we're going to accomplish, but you've got to empower those smart, smart people to help pick and prioritize how they're most going to move the needle on those objectives. And when you do, then the collectively the organization gets smarter, moves faster, and ultimately we deliver you know, better solutions that way. In this episode of Digital Workplace Impact, I had a chance to chat with Graham Kennedy, who's the head of Digital Workplace at Fidelity Investments. As a leader, Graham has been described as a visionary with velocity. In his first year, Graham and team focused on governance, rationalizing a portfolio of tools and sites, as well as enabling new ways of connecting and collaborating during the global pandemic. As with many, nowadays, Graham and team are focused on helping Fidelity plan for the return to to the office as part of a wider dynamic working strategy. What you'll take away from this episode is that Graham is just such an inspiring leader who instills active listening, creative thinking, and agile working as core practices. He also works tirelessly with his team and stakeholders alike to prioritize the highest value work to deliver integrated and engaging experiences that allow their associates to do their very best work. And in the process of leading an ambitious agenda, Graham is not afraid to erase the lines and when necessary, draw some new ones. And now on to today's episode with Graham Kennedy. Happy listening. So Graham, I'm just thrilled to have a chance to catch up with you. It's been a while and, um, Of course, uh, there's just so much going on in and around our circles these days and thought it was an opportune time for us to have a chat and dip into the world of the digital workplace inside of Fidelity Investments. And um, I always like to start the conversation by getting a unique perspective about one of our studio guests. And so my uh, starter question for you today is, what was your dream job growing up? Nancy, thanks for having me. Love the partnership we have with our, our two firms. And um, it's a little embarrassing. I have two. Growing up, I, like many people, wanted to be a professional baseball player. But eventually, my athletic ability uh, didn't live up to my ambition. 
so that wasn't a, a dream that I continued to pursue. I also wanted to be an archaeologist, but then I realized that um, the way Indiana Jones represented it didn't necessarily live up to that expectation. So, great question. Yeah. <laughs> so, the spirit of adventure is certainly still in your makeup, even though you didn't go that route. And baseball at its heart is all about the team. And I certainly know that we'll be talking about that um, over the next few moments as well. So while you may not have taken those direct paths, I know for sure that you've taken the essence of what each of those dream jobs meant to you as a child and have brought them forward into your career. And so being a digital workplace leader is not something that obviously people put on their dream job list growing up, nor is it something that you can you know, pick as a major when you're attending university. So I'm really curious to know what put you on the path for a leadership role running the digital workplace at Fidelity Investments. Yeah, a little background on me. So I, I grew up in, in Canada and I immigrated to the United States in my, my early 20s. My first uh, career, my first role in the United States was with Fidelity Investments. I started off just before September 11th, actually, as a customer service associate, answering 1-800-Fidelity phone calls. And I'm actually, I look back at that moment, you know, with, with a lot of gratitude. And I actually felt fortunate that I was in the role at that time. Uh, because, you know, coming out of university and having big ambitions about financial services and then going through an experience like that really as a country, I learned a lot about um, empathy. Um, and understanding people that were going through hard times, both, you know, emotionally, uh, what was going on in our country in the time, but also financially, right? We saw the S&P drop 45% over the course of three years. And it really drove home for me kind of the importance of the work that our industry does and how, especially during, you know, difficult times were needed for our clients. And so that was a really good uh, grounding for me and kind of an education and helped me, to be frank, quickly grow up in the industry faster than I would have normally progressed. While I've been at the firm, um, I progressed through various roles. Uh, I got into trading stocks and bonds, mutual funds and options for our clients. I spent time uh, working in financial planning. Uh, I moved into uh, various people leadership roles on the distribution side. I spent time in uh, marketing, communications, I worked on strategic planning, uh, product, uh, I've run larger you know, people leadership functions, uh, not, not too long ago, I was a general manager in our Westlake, Texas campus. And then uh, about four years ago, I was my first foray into technology. And I really saw that as a, as a gap, not only in my, my resume, but in something that was a, a deep interest to me. And I'd always been somewhat technology adjacent. Um, and I really wanted to, um, you know, to feel like more of an expert diving into that space. And so I moved into a role, uh, we have an organization that runs an in-house workflow uh, automation product, and uh, I was the strategy and operations lead in that group. So it'll sound like a bit of a public service announcement, and it is, but the great things that I love about working here, and, and frankly, the reason that I've stayed for 20 years, we're really encouraged to learn. Uh, we're encouraged to take a risk in our career. It's valued you know, for us to enhance our skill set and knowledge. And we're supportive when we do it. And, uh, you know, that mentality comes from our CEO, Johnson, our head of human resources, Bill Ackerman. Frankly, my boss, Roger Stiles, who runs technology for the firm. 
Um, he actually kicked me out because I was a, a bit of a non-traditional background for that role. And it helped kind of balance out some of the other experiences that he has on his senior leadership team. I have to say, Graham, just listening to your career progression to me feels like the key points that one needs to build the playbook for becoming an extraordinary digital workplace leader. And I say that because things like empathy, knowledge of the business, process thinking, focus on learning, risk-taking, everything that you've just described would be all the essential elements that you'd want to put in a cookbook if you wanted to help create someone to tackle this space. I would add uh, one more ingredient, and that is the most successful digital workplace leaders that I've encountered in my time are um, also people who are passionate advocates. And there's always a question about where should a digital workplace leader live? Should it be in HR, in communications, in technology? And I always come back to it doesn't matter where the function sits. The most important thing is that that leader come to the table with passion to unlock doors, to open up important conversation and, and align people because this is just a, as much about hearts and minds as it is about getting the agenda done. And I know that's part of your makeup as well, given our history together. And so people at every level are at the heart of what you do as a leader, whether it's um, working with stakeholders as you lead the digital workplace agenda or working with business leaders across the organization to help enable them to lead the, in the digital workplace at Fidelity Investments. And then last but not least, to empower the workforce to do what they do along similar lines of uh, roles that you've had earlier in your career, ultimately servicing the customers or staff members if they're in corporate functions. And so the, the challenge coming into a digital workplace leadership role is really galvanizing the team and the agenda. And I know in your first year, you did some um, pretty exciting things to the point that you were named a category winner in two of DWG's awards in 2020, both the Digital Workplace Leader of the Year category award win, as well as um, for the program's strategic vision. And your category win in the leadership arena was that you were named a game changer. And I'm curious to hear what that meant for you in your first year and where you've taken things since. I'll start by saying it, it was a surprise and frankly, an honor. I know it, it put a lot of wind in uh, the team's, you know, collective sales, um, our close business partners that we worked with. Um, it's nice to, to get kind of some external validation to our approach, uh, but also the opportunity that's in front of us. And, you know, it's been a great relationship, of course, with the digital workplace group and Paul and yourself, but also, you know, I think there's a strong kind of connection with our colleagues across the industry um, because we're all somewhat figuring this out together and the past and, you know, it hasn't always been clear. 
I think a couple things for us, it also underscores, um, you know, Fidelity as a, as a modern and progressive company, kind of a cool place to work that I'll go back to a couple of comments you made there really around focusing around the associates. I mean, that, that really is, you know, the, the, there are our customers when we view it. They're at the center of absolutely everything we do. Our mission um, that, that we use as a filter on how we make decisions is, you know, essentially assuring our associates have, you know, integrated, engaging digital experience along with the tools, training, and technology and the support they need to do their best work. So we maybe I'll talk a little bit about um, how we got here and where we're going. The first, the first piece on looking back a little bit, when I, you know, myself and, and Roger, who I knew a little bit through the Texas region and work we'd done together around uh, culture and associate experience, as we started talking about this role and this opportunity, we, we spent probably eight to 10 hours over the course of maybe a month and a half talking about, you know, what digital workplace could be, uh, what the opportunities he saw. I then had to go away and think about it a little bit and, and we'd iterate and come back and, and refine until we got the, the vision correct and got agreed on, on what we could accomplish with this, with this group. That's before we even agreed to, you know, to offer, offer the position and for me to accept it. So it was a way to kind of get synced before we got too deep into the work. And then, uh, you know, funny enough, at that time, I don't, I don't know if I've told you this, but actually I was scouring, you know, articles and, of course, Amazon. I was looking for anything I could read about the digital workplace. I came across calls. I read it before I actually knew that the firm had a relationship with the digital workplace group. Um, and I did use that a lot of times as a guide to, to help me, you know, think about how we might approach this. So then once once I took the position in uh in the fall of 2019, I spent really 90 days, in, you know, with the Toyota philosophy of, of listening, learning, and interviewing individuals, both at the firm and external uh, to the firm associate folks that uh, had worked on some digital workplace from, uh, related efforts at Fidelity previously, and that allowed me to help work to shape the vision. And then we moved into now that we've got the vision. Uh, the strategy and then the operating model and the organizational structure we needed, you know, and then ultimately, you know, recruiting the talent to build out that team. So at that point, uh, late in 2019, I, I met with Roger and Abby Johnson, our CEO, gained agreement and approval to move forward. And it was, uh, you know, somewhat serendipitous. Um, you know, the pandemic was, was emerging as our team was formed and it allowed us to really get focused on, on kind of the work ahead. But through that time, uh, Paul, uh, yourself, and, and others were great thought partners for us in shaping that. We were sending documents back and forth rapidly and, and uh, you know, throwing darts and questioning and approving and adjusting. And that really set us up for where, um, kind of where we're positioned today. So, so through that time, we set up a structure, essentially, uh, back to the point around associate experience, where roughly half of, of my uh, direct organization is focused on uh, user research and user experience design. Most companies, and I think that's part of what might have made us a bit of a, a differentiator in the industry, especially early on. Most companies heavily invest, in, of course, in product design and customer-facing efforts, which is, which is absolutely critical. But we, we wanted to take the same digital approach that we were working on as, as many companies of our, our size and, 
you know, our, our long history have been converting to these, you know, modern digital companies, which we've been focused on externally. You can't really make that happen unless you're also a modern progressive digital company internally um, and then expect to show up to your clients uh, in a modern progressive way. So we, we spent um, a lot of our resources, a lot of our time, a lot of our, our focus kind of falling in love with the problems, uh, making sure that we understood our associates' point of view um, in all areas around communication, collaboration, you know, et cetera. And then we, we take that, that perspective and then it, it then kind of works very closely with our product and technology partners in, in end-user computing run by Bob Lofton to call the balls and strikes on what are we actually going to deliver for our associates. And then lastly, the, the, the big, you know, really important component, there's a lot of great technology out there, but helping people learn how to engage with it, see the value in it, optimize it, how, optimize how, how they use it. We kind of bookend that, that operational model and organizational structure with, with a heavy effort around uh, change management. So, so where um, where we're where we're going? A couple of things I, I talked about. We spent most of last year getting the foundational components in place that were really, really critical. And frankly, Nancy, they were um, they were obvious to us what what the challenges were and what we needed to solve. A lot of that was focused about, about um, cleaning up the ecosystem. Frankly, a pet peeve and a passion of mine is um, you know removing applications making sure that, that we've got the applications people need, but also kind of quieting the noise uh, that comes along with too many applications and the frustration people have around picking what tool to use when. So our work going forward, uh, now that we have the building and plot box in place, like uh, applications like Yammer, which we've had over 95% of our employees engaged in this social platform over the past year, which way exceeded our expectations. Of course, Microsoft Teams, the O365 suite, uh, whiteboarding capabilities like Mural. Uh, now we're, we're really moving to, frankly, you know, if I'm, if I'm meeting right before this, is focused on uh, re-entry as the, you know, the COVID numbers continue to uh, improve in the United States. Um, we're getting ready to go back uh, physically to work. Really focused on uh, the research up front. Um, we've had associates for, for quite some time now that have had, you know, a really great digital and connected experience from home. And we've all learned and adopted, ad- adapted on how to work from home over that period of time. And now we're back into the office where, like most companies, we have hardware that hasn't been turned on in 16 months. We have, uh, in many cases, a superior digital experience remotely. Uh, just Zoom is a good example of that where, you know, screen size has been democratized and voices and opinions have also been democratized because of that, that uh, equilibrium that's ha- or that uh, quality that's happened. And now how do we take the best of what we've learned over the past you know, year, year and a half, and then bring that in and take the best of what the, uh, the office has to offer? So a lot of our time now is, is really going back to researching, okay, from the beginning of a person's day, What's changed? What's different? All the, you know, from when they start getting ready to work to when they get back at home, and what are the key kind of moments that matter that make sense to be in the office for, and how do we really optimize that kind of hybrid experience? It's certainly a, a tall order, and there are lots of organizations that are working through this very discussion. 
as we speak. And the term that's really starting to come into the forefront is the idea that digital workplace teams need to really help empower dynamic working inside of the organization, simply because for so many, um, there will be large numbers working at home for the foreseeable future, others going back to the office, whether it's headquarters or, or alternate locations. And then there'll be the people in between who are spending a portion of their time in more than one location, whether it's because they're resuming client travel or they're working at home today, coming in for some sort of team working session tomorrow, et cetera. And so um, this idea that the customer experience is enabled by the employee experience or associate experience in your case um, is one of those themes that I think needs to carry forward as part of that equation. And certainly, you know, you're doing a lot of the hard work to make sure that that remains at the heart. But I would think equally um, a challenge for you, Graham, has been helping your own team navigate their way through changing times and I know you're someone who puts great care at, you know, with offering people time to develop and re-energize and learn from others. And earlier this spring, you did something quite interesting, something that was termed a, a virtual symposium. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about what you did there and, you know, any other thinking that you have around how to motivate and mobilize your team as this dynamic working agenda takes hold. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really important point, Nancy. I think, um, you know, the one thing I've noticed kind of collectively at our firm and, and to be fair, um, friends and colleagues that I have at other companies, like the leadership level of EQ and empathy, you know, that has emerged over the past year and a half as we all kind of collectively went through this, uh, you know, across the globe it's higher than I've ever seen it. And, you know, I think like, like several companies, our employee morale is higher than it's ever been since we've been recording it. And I think that the biggest thing is it, um, we all kind of collectively know what we're going through and we're listening and um, we're, we're highly attuned to it. That is a pride for me. It's definitely um, a big focus for me. It's something in my own personal leadership journey, leading small teams, large teams, you know, of, of different domains and disciplines I mean, that's the one thing that's common is, you know, when you focus and invest in the people that you work with, um, colleagues or directs, you're there to hear them out. Um, and, you you know, you're there to help enable them to make their, you know, their work life and hopefully their home life a little bit easy or and seamless. I mean, it pays off tenfold. And, and you also get a lot of loyalty that way. And so, so for me, you know, personally, I couldn't be more appreciate, appreciative of how the team specifically rolled up their sleeves and dug in as soon as the pandemic hit. They were all trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, work from home with, with kids and pets and uh, make desks. And because our team was uh, freshly minted, newly established, we didn't really have the time to, to think or worry about, you know, all the things that, that, that you might, because we had to get the job done. We had to roll up our sleeves and, and get to work. So in one way, that, that was kind of a nice um, reprieve for us because we could get focused so quickly. What we've tried to do um, over the past year 
part of this is because we were all uh, working from home. I'd say another component of this was because we were a new team. And frankly, we'd never met half of our teammates in person before. Uh, many I still haven't. Um, but then also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, the, the, the social issues and change that's been uh, happening across the United States uh, and the world um, over the past year with George Floyd, the Me Too movement, um, et cetera. There, there was a need for us to connect, frankly, at a more personal level. Um, you can see the pain on people's faces and you put all those things together with the pandemic and we're all kind of struggling collectively. I think we built a pretty pretty tight bond as a team where that those conversations that had traditionally happened outside of work now were not only happening, you know, in the office, but they were encouraged to happen in the office. And I think we helped each other through a lot of those moments and, and spent a lot of time learning on the symposium. We had started. So our whole firm, but in my, my group is no exception. I've gone through this, you know, fairly significant multi-year you know, transformation to an agile working. I was fortunate we set up a team. We started that way, so we didn't have anything to kind of unlearn. And as a part of that, we, we built in learning days. And uh, they're every Tuesday. We spend eight hours, so, you know, dedicated 20% of all of our associates' time learning. And it's a combination of... Uh, learning your core job, right? So our user research team is is constantly working with uh, educational institutions, other user researchers, you know, in our network and outside of our network to craft and hone their skills, um, et cetera. They're one example of that, and, and our other organization, parts of the organization do it as well. But the nice thing that we've done with dedicated time and the fact that the, the disciplines across digital workplace, and I should say our, our you know, tightly integrated business partners, and they, they span the realm of, you know, hardware, I'll make it simple, but hardware, software, a focus on people or humans, space, right? And all those components need to be thought in context of one another and how they integrate. You can't just do them in silos. And so when it comes to learning, we look to people who are experts in each one of those areas, and we intentionally cross-train our organization and other parts of the organization. So we have more of a 360 perspective that, you know, the non-technologists understand the constraints of what our technologists are trying to build. And our technologists understand, you know, the human kind of digital anthropology and the, and the path that our employees are trying to, you know, tackle. And then the, the blending of those two things is really where, really where the magic happens. On um, this, this symposium specifically, we would normally do a large all-hands off-site, you know, a couple times a year. Um, it's great for team building. It's great for, uh, you know, getting in the room and solving problems together and, and work, walking out on the same page. But we, we, we definitely missed that over the pandemic. So it was a, a, a portion of it was, of course, focused on refreshing our multi-year plan, setting the direction, uh, you know, as we go forward. Uh, spending a lot of time in reflection and learning what we didn't do well and why we didn't do well and what we might do better. Spending time on figuring out, even within our organizations, what are the, what are the minor kind of annoying things that we continue to do that just don't make any sense that make people's work life worse? Focused on those components. But we did, we did team building cultural things as well. We, um, we took painting classes virtually, uh, virtually which was kind of cool. We had a couple of virtual happy hours for, for those people who are willing to and interested in, in partaking. 
you know, around the end of the year, we did a, uh, one of our groups did a murder mystery party virtually. Um, so we tried to make the best of the situation. And I, I think it was really galvanizing for our group to kind of go through this collectively. It may sound cliche, but it, it does feel very much like a, like a family, which is fun when you come to work like that. And, you know, even we, from a digital workplace group team point of view, feel like extended members of your team and and feel the halo effect of uh, things that happen day to day, as well as, um, you know, the, the outputs of the symposium. It's um, something that helped, I think, almost a combination of body, mind and spirit alignment because of you know the wide-ranging set of activities that allowed people to connect, reflect, open up sides of their brains that probably uh, don't always get challenged. Um, the list goes on, and so you know, for me, um, hearing that story, I thought it was worth sharing and part of the genesis for for today's podcast. And I guess just to close out the discussion on the symposium and and some of the unique leadership practices that you employ. I'm really curious to hear what surprised you most about coming out the other side of this symposium and how are you going to take sort of the core learnings from that and carry them forward with your team? It's somewhat tough for me to answer because we we meet we do an all hands um, every every Friday we have since the the um, in the pandemic started as a way of just staying connected. And we've tried to model working out loud. Um, you know, example today is I, I posted with our team in teams about their, you know, let's talk about anxieties around returning to work and personal and professional, what challenges are, are we all feeling? I shared some of my own. Um, and so we, we try to engage the team kind of all along the way. So, um, I would say if there was any surprise, um, I, I feel like I know the team pretty well, but the the amount of kind of talent and artistic nature uh, of our team and talents that don't aren't seemingly kind of work related, we did get more focused time for those those kind of things to come out. And you know, we, we had, I was pretty fortunate we were able to kind of handpick and hire each individual and know their journey and their story uh, as we built the team. But you can never know, the, you know, truly the whole person until you spend you know, a lot of time with them. So I think that the pleasant surprise was just um, being more in awe of how talented these folks are and, and how well-rounded they are outside of, of work. But it does show up at work, too. Um, the thing that I, I'd say that I take away, we're definitely not perfect. Like we, we've done, you know, we do try and celebrate, uh, celebrate our, our failures and, and learn for, from them. And we've definitely had several. Um, but the biggest takeaway was internally, like many companies, we, we have to have silos to a certain extent, right? So we know where the edges are. I think the biggest takeaway for, for us, and we're working this actually uh, right now with my boss, Roger, and kind of my peers across our really big group and human resources and enterprise technology, um, communications, et cetera, is that we need to get better at kind of erasing lines around what digital workplace is. And the same thing goes for all those other groups that I, I just mentioned and make sure that we're prioritizing the highest value work for our employees period, right? Because the highest value work that might be in digital workplace or whatever might be six, seven, eighth on the list 
might not be as valuable as something we could we could rededicate our resources to in communications or you know research when it comes to kind of real estate refactoring and redesign uh, or hardware purchases. So this, uh, we, we've been having that conversation with you know, my team internally first, and then recently has been extended to our steering committee and. You know, our, our, our company and the people that are involved in it that might not be in digital workplace all have a very similar sentiment. We're all really focused on just doing the next kind of highest rent, most valuable work. And so we're even, we're, we're, we're remembering and learning from what we've done, but at, at, at uh, another lens, we're also like selectively forgetting it and try to open the aperture up a little bit more so we make sure we're doing the biggest value stuff. There are a few things that I took away from this notion of erasing lines. One is, I think we we can all appreciate sitting in a digital workplace program team ecosystem that the demand for what we do is insatiable. And there's got to be a level of responsibility for what gets prioritized to make sure that the highest value work gets the attention it needs in the moment. And of course, that changes with time. Uh, because the space is less than static. But the other thing I'm thinking about, Graham, is that more and more digital workplace teams are being asked to create a connected story. And so by that, I mean, in the early days, it was all about plugging in new technology, switch on the collaboration tool, switch on the portal, switch on search, et cetera. But nowadays, we're thinking very holistically about what the experience is. And depending on the day, it's physical, it's digital, it's both. We're talking about people working inside of habitats, in essence. And so you you touched upon the fact that you and your team are not only trying to understand the experience to help um, create those moments that enable people to do the jobs they need to do, to be the corporate citizens they need to be, and all of the other things that are wrapped up in, into the employee experience. But then also you're playing a role in guiding people along that journey, and change management is a big component about that. And so it's about the people, the places, the technologies they're using, how they work, as well as you know what they do on a day-to-day basis so that when all is said and done, the experience hangs together and working cross-functionally is critically important, not just with the business transformation teams, the business groups that are delivering for the clients, but also across all of the corporate teams. And so I think, you know, the digital workplace teams really need to be at the center of connecting the dots across that employee experience. And certainly, um, you know, as as we talk and as we connect with and work with your team, uh, we're seeing that as part of the equation as well. And we know that within our industry that it's very often serendipity that brings new leaders into the mix. And so... For those listeners who are coming into the digital workplace space for the first time, what would be your best piece of advice to help them unlock the potential of the digital workplace in their organizations? I think back to the early days of this, it's really, really important to set up multiple listing posts. You know, we've all been in situations where 
you know, a really bright person has a, has a seemingly great idea and it gets out of the, out of the gate, you know, before we truly understand if we're, are we using technology to solve a, a problem or a challenge that isn't really there or are, are we listening to our associates to figure out what those problems really are and those opportunities are and then finding the right, you know, hardware, software space um, to solve that problem. So setting up multiple listening posts at multiple levels um, I think is really, really key. And that's something that even once you do it, um, you have to have a discipline and a certain amount of rigor to make sure that as you're interpreting that information, you're trying to be as unbiased as you can about it. So a good example of that would be our user research group. They're scientists, right? And, and, and a lot of their work is centered around, um, you know, how humans work and they, and how they interact. And, um, you know, the di digital anthropology of the different paths that we take, but they're people, right? And they have their own biases and they might interview slightly differently. So, so kind of trying to really focus enforcing a discipline of keeping information clean, accurate and unbiased, I think is really, really critical. So part of the way that we, we bench, well, maybe validate or, you know, question ourselves frequently is we, we built a, we call them digital heroes, a digital hero network of 200 individuals across the organization. And it ranges from, you know, new hires in customer service, like, like I started that have kind of the freshest view of the organization to, uh, we have senior fund managers in, in our asset management uh, organization that um, are also part of that network. And we, we ask them to be part advocate for, you know, helping spread the message and the opportunities and training, but also be a listening post for, for us as well to validate or invalidate uh, some of the research that, that we do through more formal, formal channels. So I think building mechanisms to make sure you're always listening uh, proactively and reactively is key. There's no more important than right now for, for all companies, I think, to be doing that. Um, the other couple of uh, components, you know, many of um, my colleagues across the industry, I'll, I'll speak for myself, have been a part of uh, several different steering committees, um, you know, over the career. And people need to make sure they're, they're diligent, focused, and careful about is that a steering committee just doesn't come another, become another form to update people. You, you really need to have people in the room that, do what it says um, or what the name would imply to steer the direction of the organization. So we have um, a steer co that meets every two months of, of pretty senior people, um, you know, in the, in our company across multiple disciplines. Just last week we had them, everyone was in mural kind of collaborating together, you know, dot voting on the top priorities. We're going to be for digital workplace and some of our, our, our colleagues as well. Um, so steering, you know, really using a steer code for what it intended to do, I think is critical. We also have um, kind of that, that middle layer of the company. Uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, several business units across a firm of our size that, you know, the, the kind of chiefs of staffs or the, the operating, uh, the operations owners across the, the, the firm, really the people who make everything go, it's critical to hear from them too, because, you don't want making decisions, um, you know, really high up in the organization without filtering it through, of course, your associates, but also uh, the people who kind of turn those plans into action. So we also have a business um, business unit advisory council that's been happy, uh, very, very helpful for us. They, they they tell it like it is. We'll put it that way. Like what you can do and what you can't. The other the other big ones, I'd say, back to user research 
ongoing associate interviews, survey surveys, uh, ethnographic studies, journey mapping, continuing to you know inter people from outside the organization to that. That's a place it's very easy to, to lull yourself into a false sense of security and be comfortable. It's part of the reason I appreciate the, the partnership with the Digital Workplace Group. And then, um, to be honest, we have really smart people within Digital Workplace. Um, it, I, I try to do skip-level meetings pretty frequently. And when you've hired those smart people that are really close to the work, you got to enable them. You've got to support them. You've got to clear barriers. You've got to make sure you, you, you reserve the right to... Uh, or that you, 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 you stop yourself from dictating kind of the direction. At a high level, I think it's important to talk about like objectives and what we're looking to accomplish, but you've got to empower those smart, smart people to help pick and prioritize how they're most going to move the needle on those objectives. And when you do, then the collectively the organization gets smarter, moves faster, and ultimately we deliver you know, better solutions that way. I have to say, Graham, whenever we come together, I always leave the conversation inspired and um, having the opportunity to bring story back to others to benefit from your wisdom, um, your boundless energy and commitment to improving the digital workplace experience um, for not only leadership and the associates, for your, but for your own team as well. Um, is always refreshing. And uh, I'm really pleased that we had a chance to chat at this level today. As we're wrapping up our time together, I just wanted to throw out one final question to you, which is whether or not there was something you were hoping I would ask you and didn't. And of course, if you put the question out there, you have to answer it. The question I hope you asked. Yeah. Do we have any job openings? That's what I would have liked for you to ask. And the answer is uh, we, <laughs> we absolutely do. Um, we're uh, right now, actually, we have openings in all three major areas of our of our group. So we're looking for user researchers. That's a very hot um, uh, you know, career path, I think, in, in our industry and several others. We are looking for assistance in the tribe where we, we run squads. We're still hiring squad leads. Uh, a lot of people call them product owners. And then in the change management kind of service and delivery space, we have openings there as well. So maybe when this gets posted, we'll put it on LinkedIn and we'll, we'll use that to attract uh, uh, talent to the firm. And no doubt there'll be some interesting candidates come about as a result of this conversation. Graham, thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is a, a crazy schedule. It's always great to catch up with you. And um, we'll be looking forward to coming together for your benchmarking report back in the very near future where we can talk about some of the uh, next stage thinking uh, to challenge you and your team. But in the meantime, thank you so much for joining us in the studio today. Likewise, Nancy. Great to, to catch up with you. Looking forward to talking to you again soon. Digital Workplace Impact is brought to you by the Digital Workplace Group. DWG is a strategic partner covering all aspects of the evolving digital workplace industry, not only through membership, but also benchmarking and boutique consulting services. For more information, visit digitalworkplacegroup.com.